We're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Just two verses. You might want to turn uh, to those verses in your Bible, or maybe you have a, a media device you'd like to use. That's Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. You know, many of you know that I'm a biblical counselor for the Lathia Counseling Ministries. I've been doing this for many years, and uh, over the years, it's about 1,400 counseling sessions a year that I do. And I see people that are in pretty bad shape, people that are hurting and uh, feeling lots of pain. Something has just gone uh, wrong with their lives. Something has happened to them, either when they're children or along the way, they made some wrong decisions. They're going through some trials or some problems, some loss or some tragedy in their lives. And the last thing that many people want to hear is, uh, I know exactly how you feel. Oftentimes we say that, right? We say to people, I know exactly how you feel. Well, the thing is, you don't know exactly how people feel when they're going through the deep waters of life, you don't know exactly their situations, you don't know exactly their pain, you don't know exactly what they are going through, but yet oftentimes we say, we know how you feel. Nobody knows exactly how you feel. Nobody knows, except one person, except one person. Now, I want to tell you something. This one person takes an awful lot of heat because there's only one person that knows exactly how you feel. And he takes a lot of heat. So let me give you this example. You know, one time I was talking to a guy uh, in our church who was a believer. But believe it or not, his mother was a, a witch. I might have told you the story before. And so she was in black, she was into black magic, she was into all kinds of demonic things, and he said, would you mind going up and talking with her, maybe you can get a Bible study in her house? So I said, sure. So I went to her house, and of course she's all dressed in black, she has pentagrams all over, satanic things, clocks, black candles, all of that, and so as we came in and we sat down at her table, she bantered with me. That was wrong, because I was going back and forth with her, and finally I challenged her. I said, but you seem to have pretty, pretty strong powers with your um, demons and with your black magic and all of that. You should have no problem with me. Why don't you let me come into your house then if you're so powerful and you have all of this power behind you? There should be no problem. And so I was able to convince her to have a Bible study in her home. Now this was interesting, because now we have a witch who's inviting me in to have a Bible study. And I said, well, I've got a few more people coming in with me. And she said, well, that's okay. So now we come in, we sit down, I've got about five individuals with me. And I ask everybody to take their Bibles, because it is a Bible study. And I say, well, why don't you open your Bible? to the book of John. She said, a Bible? I don't read the Bible. 
I don't believe in the Bible. The Bible was uh, written by men. I don't believe that. I said, well, that's interesting. Now, at this time, the whole Bible study could have come to a complete stop right there. But I, I said, there were some people sitting in front of me, and I said to them, there was a bookshelf in the back, and I said to them, would you mind getting that one there, that book there, the Encyclopedia Britannica, with the, uh, the number J on it, okay, the letter J on it. The person gave it to me. And of course, it said Jesus Christ. So now the witch didn't know this, but I began to teach the Bible through the Encyclopedia Britannica because she did not realize that Jesus Christ was an historical figure. It was really interesting. Kind of blew her away when I took the Encyclopedia Britannica and began to mention about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and on and on. I got her attention. Now this was interesting because the months had gone by and she began to loosen up. We began to open up the Bible, looked at the Bible. We began to study the book of John and then actually a whole year went by. My wife and I went on vacation and um, I got a call when I came back that she was ill. She was actually dying. She asked me to come to her home to talk with her. She was on her bed, her deathbed. And she said to me, uh, Pastor Jim, I, I want to ask your forgiveness for being so cruel to you, for challenging you, and on and on. She, she mentioned a whole bunch of things. But she said, I also want to thank you for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with me because I put my faith and trust in Jesus and he's my Lord and Savior. You see? I tell you that story so I can say this, that there's one person who knows how you feel. There's one person who knows your pain, your trials, your difficulties, your depression, your every thought, your daily anxieties. And of course, his name is Jesus Christ. He's what you call the incarnate Christ. That means incarnate means in the flesh. We have a God who left his heavens to come into the flesh to be able to die on the cross for each and every one of us. He's the incarnate Christ. That's what they call him. Now people say to me, did he really come to earth? How do we know that? So in counseling, you receive all of these questions over and over again, and people challenge you constantly, constantly challenge you because you're in a spiritual battle. The Bible says the, uh, the battle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And I'm in those powers of darkness all the time. And so they ask, well, how do we know that he's real? How do we know? I don't know if you've ever heard of a hostile witness. Well, it's a witness who's against you, but is actually for you. Let me give you an example. All of you are here today. You're listening to this message. Some of you might like it. Maybe some of you won't. And you'll leave here today. Those who like it will tell other people about it. Those who don't may rag on me and say, well, he said this, he said that. And on and on you go in a negative sense. You would become what you call a hostile witness. But 
One thing that you cannot deny is that you were here at 10 o'clock in the morning, that you heard this message from Pastor Jim Ritchie. And then you go and you tell all the people all of this, and whatever you say, you still have to admit that I was here at 10 o'clock sharing the message. You see? Now, you might not like it, but now you're known as a hostile witness. And you know, back then, when Jesus walked the earth, there were many hostile witnesses. Pontius Pilate, for instance, who crucified Jesus Christ, was a hostile witness, but they wrote about Jesus. They wrote about his life, his death, his resurrection. So even the people who hated Jesus wrote about him. It became history. They're known as hostile witnesses. And if we were to take the Bible and throw the whole Bible out, we could reconstruct it by all of these hostile witnesses who were against Jesus, who wrote about the historical Jesus, the one that they hated. You see how that works? Hmm. And I tell you all this to remind you that you can be assured that you're on solid ground. When I mention about Jesus and we talk about him, this is not pie in the sky. This is not just taking the Bible and say, believe it by faith. Just trust it. This is based on historical evidence, even through hostile witnesses. We could reconstruct the whole Bible by hostile witnesses. My message today is going to help us to see more clearly that God knows how we feel. And God is with us in our sufferings. Our scripture reading today is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Only two verses. Only two verses. Here's what it says. Therefore, he, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus. He had to be made in likeness like his brethren in all things. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make propitiation. That word propitiation means Appeasement. God has made appeasement through Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for our sins. That's what propitiation means. For the sins of his people. For since he himself was tempted, and that which he has suffered, because Jesus was tempted and he suffered, it says he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Now that's good stuff. He can come to the aid of those who were tempted because he was tempted. He's not a God in the sky who knows nothing about what we're going through. He kind of mixed it up with us. He came down to earth and mixed it up with each and every one of us so he knows what it means to be tired. He knows what it means to be hungry. He knows what it means to be in pain. He knows what it means to be suffered. Uh, he suffered. He knows what it means for people to abandon him and desert him. See, he knows us. He's mixed things up with us. Jesus had to be made like his brethren, like each and every one of us. He had to become vulnerable. He had to feel our pain. He had to know exactly what it was like to be like a human being. And it says here that Jesus was a high priest. Do you know what a priest was for? In the Old Testament, they used to intercede between God and between man. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He was ordained to intercede 
There's one God and one mediator between God and man. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, and that mediator is Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. He stands between us and God. And he pleads our case. And verse 18 tells us that Jesus lived in real time. He was tempted and he suffered just like every one of us. Therefore, Jesus knows exactly how we feel when we go through painful times, when we go through difficult times, painful circumstances, and every area of suffering that we may be going through, Jesus knows exactly how we feel and how we think and what we're going through. So our first point today has to do with this. God knows how we feel when we live. God knows how we feel when we live. Many of you have heard me say this over and over again. We live in a sin-cursed world. And everything that we do in life has a perspective. And you need to have the right perspective. If you have this perspective, you'll be okay. If you don't have this perspective, you'll be fighting every single day against the trials and difficulties of life. But because of Adam and Eve, because of sin that has come into the world, every single day, you and I will run into conflicts and confrontations, and then we'll try to find a way to compromise. So, you might leave here in about a little while, go out on the road and somebody cuts you off. As soon as you get out here, that's a conflict. Or you might get home and have a fight with your wife. I have a fight with your husband. I have a fight with your children. Or with your mother, with your father, with somebody. Somebody's going to come against you. You have a problem with taxes. There's going to be a conflict. There will be a confrontation. And then we try to bring it all together to compromise. How do we go on living with the conflicts and confrontations of life? We've got to learn to put them together. And through Jesus Christ and His power and through His truth, we can do that. But they will be there. They do not go away. Because we live in a sin-cursed world. There will always be conflicts. There will always be confrontations. But we can rise above them through God's truth and through God's power. But they never go away. There's a lot of bumps in the road, friends. When you live in real time, some Christians don't live in real time. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I don't know what those people are thinking. I live in real time. You need to live in real time. There's a lot of bumps in the road. From infancy to adulthood, all the struggles, all the challenges, all the difficulties that you go through, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. When we struggle with pain, when we struggle with sickness, and we just struggle with discouragement, heartaches, Jesus knows how we feel. When we lose our job, we lose our wife, we lose our husband, we lose a child, we lose a relative, we lose our home, Jesus knows how we feel. When we are despondent, we're filled with anxiety, we're filled with stress, 
We're filled with depression. We're filled with fear. We're filled with hopelessness. Surrounds us. Jesus knows how we feel. Now, during those times, Jesus, he hears our cries. And he supplies us with the resources necessary to be victorious in the midst of all the trials and difficulties that we go through. Now listen to this. Unlike any other religion or faith in the world, this is important to understand, that our God mixes it up. He mixes it up with his people. He feels our pain. He lives amongst us. And he provides a way of relief and escape during troublesome times. Well, let me give you an illustration, okay? This is about a man who fell into a hole. Listen to this. This is cool. One day, a man fell into a hole. And he couldn't get himself out. Now, many of you might feel like that, like you're in a hole right now. And you just can't seem to get yourself out of this hole. So, a priest came along and he said, Hey, Mr. Man down there, I'll pray for you. The prophet Buddha came by, of all people. And he said, I will also help you. You see, your pit. There's only a state of mind, sir. A Muslim came by. He said, you need to get on your knees and six times a day you need to pray to Mecca. A teacher came by and said, here is a book you can read to help you figure out how to get out of this hole. A yoga instructor came by and said, why don't you close your eyes and just meditate. Now an existentialist came by and said, use your willpower to visualize your freedom. And now a health, wealth, and prosperity pastor came by and said, just name it and claim it and you will be free. Now watch this. Jesus came by. He jumped in the hole with the man and he lifted him out amen you understand do you understand we have a God who's engaged with us day by day you see not only does God supply his presence to rescue us but he gives us his word in Hebrews 4.12 that says, it's alive and it's active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to go deep inside of us and accomplish its purposes. So he gives us not only the strength to get through, but he gives us the word, his word, so we can be proactive and preemptive in what we do to avoid the consequences of life. God is with us. And he tells us in John 13, 17, it's good that you know these things, but you're blessed when you do them. Become a doer of the word, not just a hearer 
of the word. If you're just a hearer of the word, you'll leave here a smarter sinner. We don't want that. We want to be doers of the word. And so the first point is God knows how we feel when we live. Secondly, God knows how we feel when we suffer. When we suffer. Why is life so hard? Why do people suffer? The Bible tells us it's because of sin. The Bible tells us that all of the heartaches and problems and sufferings in life is because of that sin of Adam and Eve. Hmm. Our first parents who brought sin into the world, John uh, Milton, he begins his famous epic poem. It said, Paradise Lost. That's what his poem was. Here's his words. Of man's first disobedience and the fruit of that forbidden tree whose mortal state brought death into our world and all its woe. Here's what he's saying. When Adam and Eve came into the world and they sinned, do you know what it did? It took this paradise and it tipped it upside down. Now, if you read the book of Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 22, you'll understand very clearly what this is all about. Because you need to have a perspective on life. Many people don't have, even Christians don't have this perspective. That because the world has been tipped upside down, because there's sin in the world, there's two things that have happened to us. If you read that passage of scripture in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 22, you're going to find out two things. Number one, we groan. You groan when you get up in the morning. Sometimes you have aches and pains when you have to work. When you go through difficult times, there's, there's this groaning that takes place inside of us. Ugh, I have to do this, and I have a pain in my back, I have a pain in my leg, or whatever it might be. You know, life begins to get to us after a while, we're groaning, and we're groaning, and we're groaning. But not only do we groan, do you know that the whole creation groans? There's a place in Hawaii right now that's groaning, you know? That volcano that's taking place there, it's groaning. There's tsunamis, there's hurricanes, there's storms, there's all kinds. You ever wonder why all of this stuff takes place? Because it says here, it says here in the verse, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, here's what it says. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. You know, like a woman in childbirth, the closer and sh closer she gets to delivering the baby, the more pain she receives. The closer and closer we get to end times, the pains become more consistent and quicker and quicker and quicker. Well, this is what's happening to us. We have pains. We're groaning personally, but the whole creation is groaning also. No secret here. If you have that perspective, you'll be able to live life a lot better. Therefore, we have to live in the midst of sickness. No surprise. Disease. There's pain. There's heartache. There's natural disasters. There's floods. There's earthquakes. There's hurricanes. There's storms. There's human misery. These are all evidence of sin. 
that's entered the world because of our first parents, Adam and Eve. But our verse today tells us this in verse 18, if you want to take a look there. For since he, Jesus himself, he was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You see, because Jesus has been tempted, Jesus has gone through all of the things that we have gone through. He can come to your aid. Other people will try. They'll do the best that they can, but they don't understand 100% what you are going through. Only Jesus does. Amen. May I add this? He also comes to the aid of those who are suffering, going through difficult times. Now, God is going to do two things with you. Anytime you're going through a, a difficult time, he's going to do two things. Either he's going to deliver you. He's going to deliver you like, you know, Moses delivered the Israelites from Pharaoh. Remember that? And then when they were up against the Red Sea, the Egyptians were coming down upon the Israelites. He delivered them by opening up the Red Sea. You remember that? But do you also remember Jesus at Gethsemane? Before he was to go to the cross, he was on his knees, sweating drops of blood because he could envision the pain he was going through. And he cries out, is it possible? Is it possible? Is it possible for this cup to pass from me? I don't want to go through the cross. <laughs> That's exactly why he came to earth, though, to go to the cross. So you see, the humanness of Jesus was coming out, and he could feel that pain. He knew that God was going to withdraw from him because he was taking on the sins of the world. And right at that moment, he says, is it possible for this cup to pass from me? And then he says, when he took an extra thought, he says, not my will, but thy will be done. Now here's something strange that happens because God always do two, does two things. He'll either deliver you from the situation or he'll give you grace to go through the situation. And so we see here in Luke chapter 22, and this is the only place that is mentioned in the Bible. Luke 22, verses 42 and 43, it says God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus. Still going to the cross. Still going through the pain. The humiliation, the suffering, the struggling, all of that. But God sent an angel to strengthen him to get through it. So God will either deliver you or give you grace to help in time of need. Let me give you an illustration. Back in the 1500s, there were two men who were going to die for their faith. Because they believed in Jesus Christ, the people were going to burn them at the stake. One was an older man. The other was a younger man. They were in prison. It was nighttime. The younger man tried to light a candle so that he could see outside what was happening because he could hear the construction of the platform that they were making where he was going to burn at the stake. He was a bit curious and he wanted to see. So he lights the candle, but in the process of doing this, he lit his finger on fire and he felt pain. He began to cry. 
And he begins to shout to the old man. He said, I'll never be able to do this. The guy said, well, what's the problem? The older man did. He said, well, how can I go and burn at the stake tomorrow when I can't even stand burning my finger? The older man said to him, God hasn't called you to burn your finger. He's called you to burn at the, at the stake. And when the time comes, he'll give you the grace to help in time of need. And it was said that during this time when he was on fire, it was as if the flames were not touching him at all. Although he died at the stake. Because God will give us grace to help in time of need. He'll either deliver you from the situation or he'll give you grace, that is strength, to get through it. So, our first point, God knows how we feel when we live. God knows how we feel when we suffer. Lastly, God knows how we feel when we die. When we die. Christ has freed us from the fear of death by his own death on the cross. Jesus faced death itself for the whole human race. Now remember now when he was on that cross and he was suffering. He was taking on the whole sins of the world. Now right there in John 19.30, he cries out, It is finished. It is finished! Just before he dies. What's finished? The complete work that he's done for you and for me. Taking all of your sins from you. He died for your sins. The whole work has been finished from the time he was born to his whole life, to the cross itself, to death. It is finished. I did the work. It's all complete. Nothing more needs to be done. Unless some of you think that you can do something. Maybe some of you are on a works program. You think that you can help in the rescue missions or help with this or help with that. And it's going to get some points for you. It means absolutely nothing as far as salvation is concerned. Everything as far as Helping people is concerned, that's good. But not as far as salvation is concerned. So when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant salvation is complete. I did it all. You had to do nothing but accept what I've done on the cross. It's finished. And then he died. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, he says this. This was great. He said, Father, into thy hands... I commend my spirit, and then he died. Into thy hands, I commend my spirit, and he died. His heart stopped beating. His body went stone cold, and he died. He experienced death for the whole world. Now, Jesus knows how we feel when we die. Why is Jesus Christ the only way? Do you ever get into these discussions with people? And you talk about Jesus being the only way. And they say, well, you, Jim, you're a little bit dogmatic about that. There's all kinds of religions in the world. Why is Jesus the only way? Uh, you seem a little bit narrow-minded, Jim. Maybe you have to expand your horizon a little bit. What about your schooling? Maybe you haven't had enough schooling. Maybe you didn't learn this in college. There's, there's a lot of different religions, Jim. They can't all be wrong. What's the problem here? Well, I don't know. 
I don't know, we have, we have people like Buddha, we have Mohammed, we have Confucius, we have a lot of these so-called prophets who came to this earth. Do you know where their, tomb, their body is in the tomb? Do you know where it is? Well, if you went to the tombs, the body is still there. If you go to the tomb of Jesus, which my wife and I did go to the tomb of Jesus, guess what? The body wasn't there. And so here's the question. Would you rather follow, would you rather follow a dead savior or a living savior? Yeah, you want to follow a living savior because if Jesus Christ lives, you will live as well. The rest of them came, they spoke good words, they died and they're still in the tomb. I don't know what that proves. Other than they had a lot of good words to speak. But I want to know how I can rise from the dead. Right? So what makes Christianity different than any other religion in the world? It's the fact that Jesus came back from the dead. Period. That's it. So you either want to follow a dead savior or a living savior. I'm following a living savior. His name is Jesus. It's as simple as that. So, from cradle to grave, our God, Jesus Christ, knows how we feel. When we're suffering, we're going through difficult times, and even through death, he knows exactly what that's about. Because he lives, we too shall live as well. So we not only have eternal life with him, but we have abundant life. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you're not having abundant life, it's because you blink first, not God. There's something wrong in your life, not God's life. And so you need to get that together because he said you can have abundant life. Maybe you need counseling. See me after. <laughs> yeah, I think this is interesting. I like to close with this. I think this is pretty interesting. I hope you can get this. This is interesting. One of the major TV networks, they did a special on Tom Brady. You all know who Tom Brady is? Not long ago. And many people were surprised at this interview with Tom Brady. The whole theme of this was, Tom Brady had said, there's, there's got to be more than this. That's, that's the words he used. There's got to be more than this. More than what, Tom? More than what, Tom? How can there be more than this, Tom? Now listen to what Tom did. These are the records that Tom Brady holds. Regular season wins by a starting quarterback, 196. He holds all these records. Division titles, he has 15 division titles. Playoff games, he started 37 playoff games. Playoff wins, 25. Playoff touchdown passes, 71. Playoff passing yards, 10,226. Super Bowl appearances, he had eight. Super Bowl wins, he had five. Super Bowl MVP, four times. Super Bowl touchdown passes, 18, holds the record. Super Bowl passing yards, 2,576. Tom Brady. The TV broadcast uh, goes on to say this, though. But with all Brady's fame and career accomplishments, the moderator was surprised to hear this from Tom. 
Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reach my goal, my dream, my life. Me? However I think, God, there's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. The commentator, I was bewildered. The commentator asked Tom Brady, Tom, what are you saying? What, what's the answer here? Tom Brady, all the records. I wish I knew. I wish I knew, says Brady. I mean, I love playing football. I love being quarterback for this team. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. You're trying to find some other parts when you've got millions and millions of dollars and all of these records and all of these people chasing after you. You're trying to find something else? Well, what's he trying to find? Jesus Christ. You know what he's trying to say? There's a verse in the Bible that sums all this up. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You see, Tom Brady doesn't have rest. He has all these accomplishments. He's got some happiness, but he doesn't have rest because he doesn't have Jesus in his life. What does he do for an encore now? What does he keep doing to receive that inner peace, that inner rest that he needs to have? See, that's what Jesus means to us in our sufferings and in our everyday living. He said, I have come that you might have a complete rest, not a little rest, but a complete rest I've come that you might have freedom from sin. I've come that you might have eternal life. I've come that you might have abundant life. You can only find that as you come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See how that works? Tom Brady can never find it in all the things that he's doing. That should be a lesson to each and every one of us. Look at Tom Brady. You look at all the records. You look at all the money. You look at the beautiful wife. You look at the kids that he has. You look at all of that stuff, and he says, hey, there's got to be something more. Yeah, Tom, there, there is something more. His name is Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. You understand? So, actually, you have more than Tom Brady does. Isn't that funny, huh? You have more than Tom Brady does. <laughs> That's a great thing. You know, when we, uh, when we uh, today, after this is over, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is what it's all about right here. Jesus Christ's broken body and his blood poured out for each and every one of us has given us total freedom. We have that abundant life. We have eternal life that he's given to us. I want us to pay close attention when we come together in this communion service and what this means to us today. This is really, really important because if you can identify with this, there's freedom in this. There's freedom in the blood. There's freedom in a broken body here. You don't have to be like Tom Brady. Just think about all the achievements that he has uh, achieved, and yet he's still unfulfilled. And that is, that is something for us to think about and ponder. This is fulfillment. Okay? This is fulfillment. Father in heaven, you are such 
a great and merciful God. We can't even comprehend how great you are and what you've done for us by coming to this earth and dying for us on the cross. But Lord, we can accept it because you are a, an infinite God. We're finite beings and we can't understand it totally, but we can accept it. Today we do accept it. As we come together in this Lord's table today, help us to remember your broken body and the blood that was poured out for each and every one of us today to set us free from sin and the bondage of sin, to give us new life, to give us abundant life, and to help us, Lord, to be the people that you want us to be, to be able to go out and to share the good news with this broken world that we live in. So, Father, we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.